What is going on, everybody? P4C, the podcast. It's episode 26, and I'm sitting down here on uh, on August 18th. It's a Sunday, and it's it's after a day. I, I I've had a very full day here. Okay, so bear with me, but I'm um. I, I'm sitting down at this, to do this podcast because I want to keep it bi-weekly. I certainly don't want to make it a, like, a, I don't even know what you would call every three weeks or whatever. But I I, I got to do this podcast. Simply put, I got to do it. Um, there's too much to talk about in the NFL. Um, Lifestyle-wise, logistics-wise, it's been a bit of a difficult transition for me. I'm in Chicago, Illinois here. Um, but no excuses. No explanations. Uh, I'm getting it done, and I'm doing it here on Sunday night. Um, and, you know, it's about nine o'clock in the evening. Watching the Seahawks and the Vikings, and here we go. Okay, we're going to talk some football. There's just too much to talk about. Um, I've had about, I think I've had about like seven drinks right now. So yeah, here we go. It's episode twenty-six of the podcast. Let's get to it. Okay, I want to get to the Raiders here, okay? Because the Raiders have been on Hard Knocks. We all know that. I think just about everyone has been tuning in to HBO Hard Knocks and what they have in store for the Oakland Raiders this year as they enter is what we can assume is their final season in Oakland. Maybe they play one more year before they head off to Vegas, but it it's just like that weird transition year and it's it's got so much going for him. You got you got John Gruden who in episode 2 phenomenal okay that was just classic Gruden get in after that you know what um players coaches everything it was it was completely just authentic it was awesome it was so authentic John Gruden and I think that's who he is and that's what everybody wants to see and it, I mean it, it was awesome to hear for the first time because episode one okay I'm talking about episode two that's what we saw episode two or excuse me, one, we didn't see that so much, okay? It was it was a little reserved, almost like John was catering towards the cameras a little bit. And, you know, we, we, we saw a little bit about what he's trying to build there in Oakland. And, you know, the more I come away with it, I, I don't think Oakland's going to be that bad, okay? Call me, call me stupid, call me silly, but all, all this effort, all this energy, built off making fun of the Oakland Raiders, it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't know how dumb they are. I, I, I really don't. I, I, I see a good safety in Jonathan, Jonathan Abram. Okay, yeah, he's a little mouthy. I, like, from a culture standpoint and what I believe in and, like, principles, I don't agree with it, but it's just like I, I see a safety, I see a running back that could potentially be, you know, that could control the clock a great deal for him. Um, you know, I see Derek Carr, who's very coachable. Okay, there, there's a lot of things I don't like about Derek Carr. Okay, he doesn't throw the ball down the field, can't throw it between the numbers, but there, there's a lot I don't like about Derek Carr. But he he is coachable to John Gruden. And when, when you have someone that wants to execute the system, that whatever coach that you may have, when you have someone that is in cohesion, you can win some football games. So... Look, I'm looking at the Oakland Raiders, and you know, if if anything that I'm learning from Hard Knocks is that John Gruden is trying to instill kind of like an old school old school approach, and I like that. Okay, 
I really do like that because I, I, I think there is a softness to our the generation of football players that we're looking at. They don't want to be coached. It's almost like they... I don't know how to say it, but they, it's almost like they want like a pal to be their coach. It's just like, look, no, your your coach is your coach. They're not your friend. Okay, your your friends are your friends. Your coach is your coach. It, it's it's as simple as that. Um, they're not they're not going to talk to you in the same way. I know. Um, I know the defensive line coach. His name is Brenston Buckner, Oakland Raiders defensive line coach. He was highlighted in All or Nothing for the Arizona Cardinals. He was great in this in this series and highlighting the fact he goes, you know, it, it's just so much better when you have guys that you want to coach. And he, he was just simply talking about it, it's so much better working with people that you want to work with. And that's not always the case when you're dealing with uh, with the NFL. And, and, and look, he's so right when it comes to, you know, picking out talent you always pick the people that are going to give you the highest reward, right? I mean, you want someone that's going to turn out the best outcome for you in, in regards to performance. But, you know, it got me thinking a little bit. Why can't it always be like that? Honestly, I mean, why can't it? Why can't it always be, even at the stage of the NFL, I guess the margins are so slim, and that's... That's the answer right there. If you if you were telling me, Pete, the answer is because you can't choose players that are deficient as far as physical gifts. You can't choose them to coach. You you can't choose inferior players. But I know Bill Belichick has done this. Bill Belichick has said, you know, I'm at, I'm at the point in my career. Urban Meyer told him this. He goes, I'm at the point in my career, It's like, I just want to coach guys that I want to coach. And Brenston Buckner was talking about this with the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders are you know, revamping their entire organization. They're trying to reset the button here. And they're saying, they're, they're, they're saying the same thing. And I totally get it. You only want to coach guys that you want to coach because you understand that they're going to try and carry out what you want to execute. And, you know, it, it would be great if everyone could have that in a perfect world, but the reality is we deal with imperfect humans. We deal with workers workers that we don't want to. And, you know, as I sit here, I'm watching the Seahawks and the Vikings. It's 13-10 going into the third quarter. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to put up with, with, with people that you don't want to, and, and, and that's the reality. But, you know, I, I feel like some organizations, they they have the clout. The Seahawks, the Patriots, I think the Eagles are getting there. Vikings, perhaps. They haven't d- done a whole lot of winning, but I, I think Mike Zimmer's done a lot over there in Minnesota to, to build up some credibility. You do get to a point where it's just like, Maybe you don't pick the most talented player. Maybe you don't draft the most talented player. Maybe you don't sign the most talented free agent. Maybe you just take the guy that's going to listen to you. That's going to try and carry out what you want to get done on the football field. And, you know, this goes across sports. But, you know, if we're talking about football, maybe you take the guy, the middle-of-the-road free agent, that's uh that's gonna try and execute the game plan better than the guy with the physical gifts because in the end that's what it's all about. 
football is a game of X's and O's. And, you know, as I, as I look on the Hard Knocks and the Oakland Raiders, uh, I, I see them trying to build something, building a toughness, building a callus, trying to accumulate talent and uh, coach a quarterback into the game plan that, you know, John Gruden is trying to instill. Uh, he, he's been more of a West Coast guy. John Gruden is trying to see if he can be more of a down-the-field passer. We'll see if he can do that. All I can see... All, all, all I see here is in you know the first two episodes of Hard Knocks is can they become the players that Brinson Buckner and John Gruden have alluded to? Can they become coach or players that they can coach? We'll see. I think uh, the Oakland Raiders can shock some people. I'm not predicting playoff team, but I am predicting perhaps a nine, ten win season as we head in here to the 2019 year. Okay, we're headed into Todd Gurley and the Los Angeles Rams. And I'll be honest, what is even the discussion? Because I know Jane Slater, God bless her, she works for NFL Network and she's she's doing her job, okay? She's doing her job as, as how she's been dispatched by NFL Network. And she's going to Cowboys camp, she's going to Rams camp and wherever, and they're just asking the run-of-the-mill questions and one of which includes Todd Gurley and his knee. And, you know, he had his knee cleaned up a little bit, and obviously he didn't perform down the stretch in the playoffs like the Rams had hoped, despite them making it to the Super Bowl. And there seems to be, like, all this this questioning, like, you know, is Gurley 100%? Is Can Gurley be the guy as he's always been? And my thing is... It's okay if he's not who he was. It's okay if he doesn't carry the ball, um, you know, near the the total touches that he accumulated during 2018, during 2017. That's okay. He can still be a very effective player. And, I, you know, I love Ty Gurley. I think he's um, gone about this the right way. I think also the Rams have, but... It just kind of goes to show the modern media. If, if you have a bell cow running back, you're going to ask about him. If you have a guy that stays on the field for the first three downs, you know the media is going to talk about him. You have that with Ezekiel Elliott. You have that with the Los Angeles Rams. And perhaps that's just you know Los Angeles and that's just Dallas. And people talk about it. Excuse me. But... I, I, I think it's very interesting that, you know, Sonny Michelle, a Super Bowl winner on the New England Patriots, he had a knee scope done during the offseason. Nobody talks about it. it. I mean, it's crazy. Nobody, you don't even hear a peep about it. You you have other running backs who have, you know, typical cleanup procedures on their knees, and no one discusses it and you know I mean I just kind of think this Los Angeles Rams Todd Gurley discussion it's very 2019 it's very 2019 hey look you talk about it because it's on the Rams he's Todd Gurley he was in the MVP discussion he you know didn't have the same production as he did down the stretch so that you know that's why we talk about it and really it's it's not even a discussion like Gurley's gonna be fine they're going to 
pretty much not give him as many touches, and I bet his production's damn near the same. Uh, I, I'm not even kidding. I don't know how many yards he rushed for. I'm pretty sure it was like 1,100 or something. I, th- I think he had like 10, 12 touchdowns. But I I bet his production is going to be damn near the same. And he's just not going to have the same amount of tread on his tires. Because the Rams are just going to be smarter. And it, it seems to be accumulating into this whole big discussion. Like, oh gosh, are the Rams okay? Or, you know, is Gurley going to be all right, as he heads into 2019, it's like, yeah, he's fine. Like, the discussion that the media is drumming up, it's not even one. It's just chatter to get people talking. And, you know, here I am, August 18th, Sunday. I think Ty Gurley is going to be a very effective player. I think he does have problems with his knee. I think he's not going to last as long, but... For the 2019 Rams, he's going to be just fine. He's going to be very effective. And Sean McVay is going to have the same tool in his toolbox that he had last season. All right, here we go. Cleveland Browns, uh, Pete Forsey. We're talking about him again. Uh, look, they were in the news a little bit just because, I mean, they're, they're a hot-button topic. But I know Freddie Kitchens here recently said how you know, Fred, uh, Baker has always been told no his whole life. Like, you know, he was a walk-on, or excuse me, he was at Texas Tech, and he told him, uh, Cliff, Kim, Cliff Kingsbury told him he couldn't start, which is true. Um, so, you know, he was told no there. And then he was told at Oklahoma that he wasn't given a scholarship. He was told no, so he had to walk on, which is true. And then, you know, he said he, w- he would be drafted that high if he was taking number one overall. Which is true. You know, he, he's been told no a lot of his life. And you know what? I like it. I'm not saying I like it that he's been told no, but I like it that he's using it as motivation, which is exactly what Freddie Kitchens was talking about. Um, re- reminds me a lot of Tom Brady. Tom Brady, sixth round, 199th overall pick in the year 2000. He still carries it with him to this day. You, you ask him about it. He says, I'm still just trying to prove that I'm the best option for this team. And that's been his same goal every year for 19, is it 20 seasons now? Yeah, he's going into his 20th season with the Patriots. He's still just trying to prove, hey, I'm the best option at quarterback for this team. How simplistic is that? And you know what? I hope Baker, you know, keeps the same mentality that, you know, I've been told no my whole life. But I hope he keeps it very narrow. Very narrow. Because it's when you get into this beer chugging, this back and forth with Colin Cowherd, calling scouts idiots on the internet. I know there, there was, he sent out a tweet saying, oh, well, these guys couldn't play chess and they're over here trying to evaluate football what idiots it's like okay bake just because they haven't played doesn't mean they don't know doesn't mean they don't understand the fundamentals of the game doesn't mean they don't identify high level football when they see it just because they can't do it themselves that's not you can't put them under that vacuum there i like baker mayfield a lot i feel like he just he takes this whole no thing to a personal level when it's just like, hey, bud, this is what you signed up for. 
this is the National Football League. You, you can't get upset because people are evaluating you, okay? There, there's a whole, you know, population that is hired to do just that. It's called the media. It's called the media, and that's what they do is they deliver. They try to connect from team to fans. They, they try they try to be the conduit. It's as simple as that. So when you get upset that they ask certain questions, whether it's uh, driven from their perspective or it's driven from the fans' perspective or what have you, um, you, you just kind of got to grow up. I'm sorry. You, you can't get upset about that. It, it's really just a matter of someone doing their job. And I get it. He's 24, 25. I mean, I, I, I'm 25, though, and, and I feel like I get that. Do I certainly get, like, someone walking around, you know, talking about my every waking thought? No, I don't. But I feel like he kind of knew what he signed up for before, you know, he, he was drafted number one overall by the Browns out of Oklahoma. I think he knew what he was getting into a little bit. So it, it shouldn't be a shocker, exactly. That's why I don't have any sweat for Odell, his teammate, who said, you know, he was all upset because he didn't know what he, he was getting into. Um, when he got drafted in 2014 out of LSU, he, he didn't know what he was signing up for as far as a uh, publicity standpoint. I'm just like, dude, there, there's a long drawn history of what goes on here. Okay. It, it, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise to you, but here we go. I, I, I'm wrapping up the third quarter here. There's the most pathetic fumble ever. The Seahawks just jumped on it. Um, it looks like they have it. I think Russell Wilson's still in the game. I don't see why. This is so silly. Seahawks should be good, I think. I do. And I mean, call me culture-driven, which I guess I am, but Seahawks, Vikings, I see a couple playoff teams in 2019. I don't know. Call me old school, but uh, we're going to wrap up this segment. We're going to head on over to the next one. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast. It's Pete Dorsey. Okay, I'm officially worried. I'm officially worried about Andrew Luck. I was not concerned about the shoulder injury. I have a long-standing belief when it comes to catastrophic injuries. I don't always look at the nature of the injury and how difficult that is. As so much I look at as the guy. I look at the character. I look at, you know what they're made of, the toughness, stuff like that. That's why when Peyton Manning, that's why when Andrew Luck, when they came back from their neck injuries, from their shoulder injuries, it wasn't like, oh no, the nature of this injury, I, I don't know what's going to happen. The, 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 the history tells me that I look at the guy. That tells me who's going to make it back and who's not. And Andrew Luck, I, I had full confidence. Peyton Manning, I had full confidence. They're going to make it back because it's what they are made of. It's not going to be a choice. They were going to make it back because they want to. And that's what happened. Andrew Luck's shoulder is now good. Peyton Manning, of course, his shoulder came back. He was able to function at a high enough level. Um, I think natural skills deteriorated down the line with him and, and the Broncos, and, and that's why he had to retire. But 
the shoulder with Andrew Luck, good to go. But now we're dealing with a series of, it's an ankle, or it's a calf injury turned ankle injury. And now I'm in the point of concern of nagging injuries with Andrew Luck. I'm pretty sure he's had some other lower leg injuries, some some hamstrings, some some quads. I don't like to hear this with uh, with quarterbacks. I'll be honest. I availability is the best ability at QB. It really is. So much of this league is coming down to knowing what you have going into the game. Coaches just want to know. What am I working with? Week to week. What If it's Andy Dalton, okay, that's fine. I can game plan for it. I just have to know. And Andrew Luck is now testing the Colts' patience. They, 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 they got a good Q, backup QB, Jacoby Brissett. He can, uh, you know, he could spin the ball a little bit. He's got some deep ball prowess. But the fact is, it's just like, what am I getting? week to week and Andrew Luck is testing that faith now he's got a uh, potential injury that's going to keep him out week one it sounds like uh they have a good grasp on what this is but they didn't know it was going to get to this level because obviously they just thought it was a calf injury god bless Andrew Luck but I mean he's officially in my danger zone I'll say it. He's in my danger zone of... He used to be in the area where I know what he's made of. Injuries are not going to be a problem for him. Uh, even you know if they just naturally occur. Because I, I feel like he does the right training methods. But I don't think he's there anymore. I, 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 I am concerned that injuries are going to pop up for him. And he, he's going to become Big Ben. And not for Big Ben reasons, necessarily. Big Ben is just like, he doesn't train right. Okay, It's, it's as simple as that. Big Ben's out of shape. He doesn't train uh, the best to play 16 games plus the playoffs and to play quarterback. It's just, you can pretty much count on Big Ben missing two to three, four, perhaps six games a year. But when he plays, he's going to be absolutely elite. Um, I think Luck could be entering that territory. Not for the same reasons. Not because he's not trying, but just naturally, he, he just can't stay healthy. You know, his body is not allowing him to play football. I think it, a little bit is the style of play. Okay, he, he will never let a play die. Okay, I'm pretty sure he said that. He goes, I'm not into letting a play die because a play could become the reason we win the game. And look, luck, I get that, but sometimes you got to let a play die, buddy. It's just smarter football. You got to play off the game. So to go in with that mentality each and every game that you play, uh it, it's just not correct. I mean, you you got to realize what is put in front of you and what you're playing off of and what your team needs at that moment. So, I'm um I'm officially worried, okay? I'm saying it, saying it here on Sunday night. I, I'm officially worried about Andrew Luck staying healthy, being available for the Indianapolis Colts. I, I think the best quarterbacks, again, the reason Hall of Famers are made is because they're available. You look at Brady, you look at Peyton. Again, he missed the whole year, but other than that, he's been healthy. You look at Phillip Rivers. Um, 
God, some people are putting Eli in the Hall of Fame. I don't agree with that. But he's been available. Availability is the best ability. I just don't know if Andrew Luck's going to have that. Here we go. Uh, Josh Gordon reinstated by the NFL. That was on Friday. I was I was a bit surprised by this just because I really thought that he wouldn't even be eligible. Well, the whole time he's been eligible. He can apply whenever he wants. But I didn't think that you would actually hear back from the NFL on Josh Gordon until maybe mid-year. But this really kind of shows like a shift in the NFL. They're really trying to help people like Josh Gordon, like Randy Gregory of the Dallas Cowboys. Gordon, of course, New England Patriot. They're trying to help those players that are taking a very active approach in their rehab. Like, these are a couple of guys that are addicted to pot. And... You know, in Josh Gordon's case, he's got addictions far beyond pot. I know he's got alcohol abuse. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what you call everything, prescription drugs. But, I mean, he, he's got issues. And he's got to walk a very straight and narrow path. And if you demonstrate that you're v- very actively trying to walk that tightrope, then if it will work with you. And, you know... Roger Goodell said that in his statement. We're rooting for Josh. We're trying to do everything that we can, but ultimately it's on him. And, you know, from a, just like a, you know, human standpoint, I think a lot of people are rooting for this guy just because they can relate to him, whether it's yourself, whether it's your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. Like, I mean, they've all suffered from addiction and you, you know, you, you, you root for those individuals and, I root for whatever. I just want the best football, okay? I don't necessarily get into the personal side of it where it's just like I root for those stories. I just I just turn on the TV and I say, okay, Josh Gordon's playing now. And now the receiving core for the New England Patriots is very scary. It is very scary. Do we forget that Josh Gordon, I think it was like 2,000 yards... From, like, Josh McCown? I mean, who was it in Cleveland? It's it's like 2013, he racked up 2,000 total yards from, like, Brian Hoyer and some numbnut, for lack of a better term. I'm sorry, but it it just proves the talent um, that is in there with Josh Gordon. He is a true number one receiving talent as far as like Antonio Brown is concerned, Odell, he, he's pretty doggone close to that kind of level. Now, he doesn't have like, he doesn't have the wherewithal when it's all said and done to be up there, but when he's on, when he's clicking, that's what Tom Brady has at his disposal. And we know Tom Brady. He can put the ball right on the money. And when you pair him with Julian Edelman... Josh Gordon, Jacoby Myers, who's really improving from his time in Washington. First-round pick, N. Keel Harry. He's my favorite wide receiver coming out of the draft. I'm looking at a receiving core. Yeah, they don't have Gronkowski. You're right. They don't have the tight end, but I'm looking at a receiving core. I'm looking at a versatile uh, running back group. 
I mean, the, the Patriots are just going to keep on chugging. And I, I don't want to give anything away. But I'll tell you this. Uh, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, I think, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, there's my prediction. Sorry. Said it. Um, you know, I, I have reason to change my mind between now and the end of the preseason. But th th that's how it shapes up for me right now. Patriots are seeing the Eagles again. Two best teams. Two best ran organizations, as I see it. The receiving core, um, Josh Gordon, Patriots, uh, doggone good. Very doggone good. And, you know, it's going to be, I I think we're going to see efficient football in September. Defensive side of the ball, maybe not so. I think that's going to be a little work in progress, it is, as it always is in for New England. They play like a little hybrid 3-4-4-3. Um, but the... I, I think from the jump that the offense is going to look pretty good as it always does, and uh, New England will be facing off in Philadelphia, Philadelphia for the Super Bowl down in Miami. You know, one thing I want to get into, and this may be like you know thin ice here, and that's okay. I want to get into football as family thing, and I know some people are kind of they're iffy on that because it's like. NFL is trying to promote this thing where, like, football is, you know, everyone together, yet they don't care about head trauma, and they don't uh, support social justice, and what have you. You know, whatever your thing may be. And I, I'm kind of coming at it from a different angle in the fact that I don't like that the NFL is promoting football as family because you're just glorifying athletes and putting them on, putting them on, on a level that is setting them up for failure. You know, I see Antonio Brown, and he's, you know, I think he's ripping off his gloves or sweatbands or whatever, and, like, there, there, there's a fan crying. Tears are coming down his face. He's, like, six years old, and it's, it's completely genuine. And it's fun to see that he's that happy, that he's receiving, you know, it's not even a jersey. It's, like, you know, gloves of Antonio Brown. But I just think, like, is that a good thing? Is that a good thing that you put athletes on that level when really they're they're just human beings? That's all they are. They're very rich human beings who are, are very gifted at what they do, but athletes get upset when vitriol and criticism comes their way on social media. And even if you don't want to take it out of the stadium, during the games, you know, if there's fans behind their sidelines, I, I remember uh, Leonard Fournette, he had something to say to uh, someone at the Buffalo Bills game when, he, when, their, uh, when the Jaguars were visiting them. He was upset when someone was saying whatever, and, you know, he was able to make it out behind, behind the sideline. Or, or, you know, even like Russell Westbrook. I know he's had a couple brush-ups with fans um, in the NBA. And the whole thing, the whole time I just think about, it's probably not a good deal that we just, like, we glorify athletes like this. It really isn't. After all, I mean, they're just, they're just humans. I don't think it's a good thing that we, we put them on this level, despite them being, like, you know, that high paid and that important. It gives off the wrong impression of how we should treat them, and... You know, I I love the NFL. 
I'm sitting here watching it. Uh, the Vikings can't run through a doggone hole to save their lives. Running running game continues to be just putrid. But um, yeah, I just I I, I don't like where we've where we've headed with with athletes. Some people just are in awe when they see them, and it's just like, hey, in the end, this this is just a guy here, okay? This is just a guy with superior physical gifts. We don't have to act like he's some, like, superhero, because he's not, okay? He, he's just another human being. Um, and I think it's better, maybe, if both marketing, both um, treatment by the media, both treatment by fans, if we just kind of put it down a little notch, realize, hey... These guys are people too, just like us. Okay, y'all, that's going to do a very quick podcast here on this Sunday. Again, full day of uh, hanging out. Brian Fossilman, it was good to see you, my man, out here in Chicago, Illinois. Great town, great city. Um, one of the best summer cities out there, I will say. Just one of, one of the best summertime spots that you can uh, post up at. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Okay, going to try and do this more weekly. Okay, going to try and get on a regular routine here. I know I've been kind of doing bi-weekly. Uh, we're going to try and get more weekly here on the podcast um, as far as content is concerned, get everything delivered for you. Um, I got a lot of preseason predictions, I tell you what. Got a lot of preseason predictions I haven't even dove into yet uh, that are going to make this podcast uh, must-tune-in to content uh, as we head into September, so look out for that, okay? Thank you so much for joining us, okay? Look out for episode 27. We appreciate it. Tweet at me, uh, Instagram at me, Snap at me, whatever you... At P4C, it's all the same. Your questions, your comments, your concerns, let me know. Thanks again for tuning in.